You're listening to the Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about the Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. Good morning. Looks like we'll need to squeeze in or find some spots, which is always a good problem. I want to be quite honest this morning, just sitting here, and especially during that song, Be Thou My Vision. What a privilege to come sing with you guys. It's good. And the Lord's Spirit, His Word, all that comes together and what brings us together this morning, I just sat there and was just humble, just thankful. So I just want to just relay that to you as one of the pastors here, how, just how great of a privilege it is to be able to stand before you right now and deliver a message that I swallowed all week, so get ready. Uh, we're going to be in First John. Uh, Chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. So as you turn there, I want to bring this specific word to your attention. It is beloved. It's a very common word used both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, meaning of just a great, deep affection. That you greatly love someone and they're dear to your heart. John the Apostle was known for his love, was known for his loyalty and his friendship. But why is this word so important to us today? This word beloved. Because I believe that John, being an apostle and seeing these things, seeing Jesus Christ Himself, hearing the Word of God, but also earned a right to pin these things to give to the people. They leaned in, they listened. He earned the right to speak to truth into their lives and to admonish and encourage, to call out to exhort, but he also, I'm convinced, that he clearly displayed a deep affection to the reader because they knew him and they trusted him, but also they loved him. There was this relationship, this beloved relationship that was taking place. But now you and I, the readers, we sit under this same affection this morning. As he begins in our text with the word beloved, Are you ready, church, to receive the message that God has to share with you today through John? It's going to be one that may challenge many of you with hopes that it would, but also will be a reminder to several of us. It will encourage many in this room because you have already been exercising this truth that we'll learn today. But let's start by reading 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have come and gone into this world. And by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confessed Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and And have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. And in verse 6. We are from God. John proclaims. Whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth. And the spirit of error. Let's take a moment right now, personally, 
to open, clear your, your mind of the noise in this world. Let's get honest before this passage and let's just ask the Spirit of Christ to reveal things to you, new things, reminded things, and it will challenge you and encourage you. It may bring rebuke, but I promise you, our Father loves us as we've learned, and He will discipline those He loves. He will correct us so that we can advance this gospel and make it very famous in our community, but also the world. Let's pray. Your text, your word, Lord, this morning, it is an honest one as most. God, I pray that you use your word. Holy Spirit, you are here with us. Thank you so much. Move in our hearts in a way that we can't leave these four walls unchanged. Well, creating us this way of learning and what it looks to grow and be more like you, to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we trust you with this time. We want to open, clear our minds of all things for the next 30, 40 minutes. Just look into this text and learn from the beloved disciple. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. At verse 1 there, beloved, do not believe every spirit. That beloved word begins off. And who is the beloved here? We've got to understand it's the Christian community. It's the church. Because John had a specific word choice here that leads us to believe that they, the readers that I mentioned earlier, knew John very well. I love the affection that is written throughout the first John passage. We have visited that many times in our study together. But once again, this beloved term leads me to think that John developed his way of speaking from Jesus. Think about John chapter 13, 23. John was this beloved disciple. Jesus himself is sitting before the disciples telling them, one of you are going to betray me. And here is John leaning against the bosom of Jesus Christ. And then later on in Matthew 3.17, God the Father, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We see this word beloved. And one thing we do not know, one thing we do know is that the way of affection is threaded throughout the Scriptures. And it is important for us to grasp and cling to that and understand it. And you'll understand in a moment. So today let's take an honest look at this passage. Why? Because today we will learn two things about it. We are charged and warned to test the spirits. We'll learn more about that. And secondly, we will learn how to test the spirits. Up to this point, we've learned about our relationship involving our position with God, with Jesus, the world, the sin in our lives, our relationship with one another. But now turning to chapter 4, John gives us a warning about our positions against false prophets. He says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God and by many false prophets have gone into the world. And honestly, I will be quite frank, I, it is enticing for me to get up here and start criticizing and get on a soapbox because false teaching in the American church is cancerous. But we simply do not have time and it does not deserve our time. 
But what we can do together to gay church is study and learn and clearly dissect John's warning against these false teachings. And we're going to do that by kind of asking four questions as we work through. Let me give you those real quick. The first one is, are you following false prophets? You need to ask that. Second, are you a false prophet? Are you a false prophet? Third, do you trust in the greater spirit? Fourth, are you allowing the right teachers to speak into your life? Going back to that first question, are you following false prophets? Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, we're members of the Oaks Church. Of course we're not following false prophets. Pause. Let's look at it from a different angle. Who's in your iPod? What music have you allowed to saturate your mind and your brain? Have you even tested the positive lyrics? Have you tested the blogs and the Facebook posts? Let me be honest. We, the elders, here at this church can protect this pulpit. We can hold accountable the home group leaders, but we cannot protect your ears. That is your responsibility. I cannot do that for you. You have to take on this responsibility. The internet is a very wonderful source, but unfortunately, this resource is known by the enemy as well. Having this tool and devices literally in the palm of our hand brings on a great responsibility. Parents, we've got to protect our children. We have to protect ourselves. This includes all things. All things. We are responsible to test everything. Test the spirits. I'll never forget the moment that I was sitting in Church of Brook Hills and the pastor stepped up. Nobody knew him then, but everybody seems to know him now. His name is David Platt. Just came in, young guy. My wife and I showed up at Brook Hills pretty much a month right after he took the call there. And he got up there and he says, before any of this starts, I want you to test everything that comes out of my mouth. I have never heard a pastor say it so clearly. I immediately, sorry, he immediately earned my respect. But not only did this statement just pierce me to the core, and I was excited, I was like, yes, there's an element of humility there. It spurred on in me a journey. And I began to test everything that I've swallowed as a Christian growing That was not an easy one. I was holding, I was clinging to things that were taught to me in a way that I would not say manipulation, but were forced and repetitive. I was receiving false truths about the Word of God. 
I was assuming because the people before me who I look to as leaders and still do to this day, I learned that I had a different understanding of the Scriptures. I was encouraged that day to get into the Word of God by myself and stop crutching on Sunday mornings. Stop waiting for the next retreat. All these things are good and righteous when done for the glory of God and they encourage the body of Christ. But I was missing out on this pure relationship with God. Some of you today need to take this journey. You're going to hear this call, this charge, this warning from John. And you're going to need to walk down this journey and you may not like it. That's okay. If you haven't tested what you know up to this point, then you are responsible to revisit all that you have learned or think to know about the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And the way you do this is you take this thought and you test it against the Holy Word of God. I'm sorry, this wins. This wins. Truth will always trump tradition. Doesn't matter. I'm sorry. You were here time and time again. Test everything that we say here. And then we'll look at those three more questions. Are you a false prophet? False prophet. Are you trusting in the greater spirit? And are you allowing the right teachers to speak into your life? So let's get on with it. Let's get back to our text here. Do not believe in every spirit, but test the spirits. We learned last week in verse 324 that John. John abides, that we know that God abides in us by the Spirit. This is the Spirit of Christ. But John moves into mentioning in our passage today about other spirits. Other spirits. Why? Why talk about these other spirits? Because they're gone into the world. They are deceiving. Remember, you are either a son of the devil or you are a son of God. Remember Cain two weeks ago? John gave us a very clear understanding that our lives should not look like Cain's because the heart of Cain was motivated by the son of the devil, the evil one, spirits of the Antichrist. So it is simple, and we must take today's message serious. Spiritual warfare is alive and at work. We see it on the news. We see it in our own lives. We see it in the Scriptures. Romans chapter 6, Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God. Looking at Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Going out, being tested, tempted. If anything, let's look to the cross this morning. God allowed that. The sin of man to put His Son on the cross. Thank God that Jesus is resurrected. And that's why we gather today. Paul defends his ministry in 2 Corinthians, very specifically in 10, chapter 10, 3 through 4, he says, For though we walk in flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. It's not of the flesh, but have, listen, church, divine power to destroy strongholds. This is the war that's waging amongst us. Do you believe it, church? 
Do you believe we are at war? Some of you in this room, frankly, sit naive. I've been there. As we were at war, do you believe that the enemy is targeting those who live out a life every day to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? Satan is not concerned with sideliners. He's not concerned with bench warmers, the prosperity gospel. He created it. He wants them to stay there. He wants to continue to bless them. Because as long as they stay there and continue to preach this gospel, he has them right where he wants them. You know who he's concerned with? He's concerned with equipped warriors, ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's concerned with God fearing men and women who are on their knees weeping on behalf of those who are lost. Weeping on behalf of those who are afflicted. He is concerned with the man who is leading his home in the ways of Christ. He is concerned with the woman who is creating an environment in her home that when people walk in, they experience the love of God. Satan is concerned with the woman or the man who is going to give up all of today's success to go across seas and live with the afflicted. Jesus is concerned with the family that looks to the orphan and says, we want to give you a place. I want to be your father. I want to be your mother. I want you to experience the gospel. He is concerned with the working man and woman who get up every day to make the glory of God famous in all that they do. And as John Piper says, and I paraphrase, Satan is concerned with those who find themselves most satisfied when God is glorified. If you're on the sidelines, if you're not studying the Word, if you're not praying, if you're downright living in sin, he is not concerned about you. You're caught in a snare. You're caught in this war. So is he concerned with you? Think about it. As we see these spiritual war and the spirits being unfolded, is he concerned with you? And if he is, you will learn to live like Jesus. There will be times to suffer. There will be times to enjoy the goodness of the Father. You will learn to live like Paul. It may, your life may appear to be shipwrecked. You will learn to live with much and learn to live with little. But if Satan is concerned with you, the constant that gets you through it all is Jesus Christ. And only Jesus Christ. So that first question is, are you following false prophets? Are you allowing things to enter into your mind that 
the church and the elders can't protect? Are you reading the Word and, and understanding it accurately? And we continue in our passage in verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming. And now, now is in the world already. Second question. Are you false prophet? Do you support the gospel agenda or the Antichrist? Are you a son of God or a son of devil? Are you a false prophet? Let's gain an understanding of this word prophet before moving forward. Prophet, simply put, a person who speaks the word of God. More specifically, the truth of the word of God. You may be thinking, well, I don't preach. I'm not in you circle. I don't stand in the pulpit. But those of you who have children, do you talk to them about the Word of God? Do you mention the name of Jesus? Do you relate to them? Share things? Train them in the ways of the Lord? You are proclaiming truth to your child. You are preaching the You are going to decide which gospel you're telling them. Those of you peer to peer, coworker to coworker, husband to wife, have you ever sat down and talked about maybe hypotheticals of Jesus and truth or what I believe and just throw an opinion out there? Can you back up what you believe with the Word of God? Can you put the Word of God in the left hand and Mirror it in the right. You are preaching and admonishing one another. Are you a false prophet? Are you proclaiming the truest gospel? The only gospel? So we have to ask another question. Does your life reflect the truth? Does your life reflect it? Let's look at verse 2 and 3 to measure up. John here is setting a clear doctrinal standard. Let's connect some dots. No, there. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. How do we know the Spirit of God? Is the ones who confess, later on says, the Spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God. True prophets will confess that Jesus Christ came in flesh from the Son of God, resurrected, and is victorious. False prophets do not confess the work of Jesus, and the message is from, clearly, the Antichrist. This is who John is talking about. But we still have to wonder, are we false prophets? Do I have a true understanding of the Word of God? If your aim, though, here we go. If your aim is to bring clearly into light your confession of Jesus Christ, you're okay. The Spirit of Christ is faithful in our, ability, in our inability to communicate clearly sometimes. But your aim is, should be very simple. Point. Move things. 
Use the Gospel. Everything you talk about, this redemptive story that we've heard so many times over and over, remember it's about Jesus and Jesus only. The remedy is Jesus and Jesus only. The people who John were speaking of here were those sent out by the Spirit of the Antichrist. Again, this is strong and, and it's believed that they were teaching that Jesus just simply appeared, appeared to be human. That's trickery. <laughs> Magical. Satan used these false teachings again to lead away many Christians astray. So John was just taken on this, false, this problem of false teachers. There's more than simply just confessing the name of Jesus. And hear me out. Many people use Jesus as a platform to earn or gain success. They use Jesus to claim things. We see it all the time. The name of Jesus is used in vain. There's more than simply speaking the name of Jesus. It is simply this. Having a true, true, honest confession. Turning, regeneration, turning from a, going from a wretched sinner and turning to Jesus Christ because He's the only one who can make things right before God the Father. And you have this clear repentance in your life. And you begin to confess Jesus Christ. And you become, you become this have fruit in your life and be, have a mark of a true prophet. Because your goal is not to use Jesus' name to award flesh. It is to use Jesus' name to glorify God. Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. That's how you know the difference. It's found in your confession. So what are you confessing? Where are you at? Then John continues with some good news in verse 4. Little children, you are from God. You have overcome them. Excuse me. You have overcome them. For He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. Little children, you are from God. Christian, is this comforting? First time I just sat in this this week, I was like, this is good. This is real good. And we have overcome them. They have overcome them. You sense this warmth of victory. This triumph and power that John applies to the church. The same victory available to you and I Right now. And then he goes to say that He, He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. He being Jesus. Jesus is greater. And we can stop there. 
Jesus is greater than all of this junk and chaos that you and I have sat and still sit in. He's greater than our sufferings. He's greater than our afflictions. He's greater than not being able to pay the bills this week. He's greater. He's better. Let this portion of the passage provide just, just, just kind of like a sanctuary for your mind because anytime you turn CNN on, anytime you look at Facebook, the reality is it's a hard world. It's a fallen world. And sin appears to be victorious. We find comfort and sanctuary it nurtures in us a harmony as, as John applies the gospel to the church in this chaotic life. And knowing that Jesus is greater produces in us a peace that clearly will pass all of our understanding. You don't walk away with anything. Be comforted that Jesus, He is greater in us. That availability. I don't need a priest. I have the high priest. We have the high priest in Jesus Christ. He is greater in me than he, the adversary, Satan, is in the world. This comparison between spirits, one being less and one being greater, the lesser one, Satan, has a temporary land. I mean, a temporary reign in this world. But the greater has an eternal reign. I can't wait for that. But I know that we have a responsibility right now. So that third question. Church, do you trust in the greater spirit? Jesus. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're working through that salvation, do you trust the greater spirit? Start it. Confess them as Lord. Those of you testing and beginning the journey of testing in your life right now, you're like, I'm going to take on this testing that John's speaking of. As you walk this journey, trust in He who is great. We are from God in verse 6. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We being John and the apostles. Whoever knows God listens to us. You hear the confidence there? Whoever trusts in the one who is greater listens to us. Why such confidence is John and the apostles were with Jesus? The very man we sing about. Son of God. John and the apostles were sent out by Jesus. The church, you and I, have a clear understanding that John knew the truth. And that truth was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And as he penned and took document of everything that unfolded in the encounter, we now have the opportunity to trust. And as we trust, and as we ask the Spirit of Christ to reveal to us more and more of the Word of God, we develop this meek confidence to stand for truth in what is right. 
me on his account. But we cannot stand for this truth if we do not know it. You don't know what is true unless you read it and ask the word come alive in your life. And like verses 2 and 3, John sets another clear doctrinal standard in 5 and 6. He says the world speaks like the world and the world hears them. On the opposite end of the scope, the mark of a true prophet speaks, speaks truth. And those who know truth hear. Very clear this morning that we understand that there's a war happening right now. Satan is not happy are okay with what's going on in just these four walls alone. But we know from the truth and the Word of God that there are two spirits. That there's one sovereign God. And that comforting thought is working in us. Working out in us to grow in us to be warriors. To be ambassadors. It's going to create in us this confidence. That we can stand for truth. So that fourth and final question. Are you allowing the right teachers to speak into your life? Are you allowing the right books to enter your library? Are you allowing the right iPod, podcast to enter your ears? You must test very simply and practically their doctrinal stance. You need to know more, go to our website. You know, members, you've signed it, you looked at it. Test it against that. But most importantly, if they say something, even what I'm speaking today, go to the Word of God. And as we play this out, as we bring it home, something you hear quite often at the Oaks is to seek understanding in your testing. Let me explain about this, especially with a brother and sister. Why? Because our aim, remember, our aim is to grow together into this image of Christ. To use the Word of God to grow together. And you're questioning to another brother and sister or to someone who believes they are a true believer will possibly, and I hope, give an avenue for the true Gospel to take root and to give fruit and take life in that person. But we have to stand for the truth and the true Gospel. And we enter into this conversation. Here's the problem. And we do it in our marriages. If we enter into a conversation to win, I believe you've already lost. Follow me. This is between brothers and sisters. This is not to a lost person and you're trying to advance and evangelize the gospel. I'm talking about you and I as a church, as family. If we enter a conversation to win, we've already lost. Where's the humility in? It happens often. It's easy. Especially for those who like, I get it, but you don't get it. <laughs> Does that show the heart of the beloved John, the apostle? Remember earlier I said I really want us to look at that word, beloved, because he had an affection for the readers. He had an affection for the early church. And you and I, we need to pray and develop that same affection one another. So as we grow in 
test and as we lean to each other, as we grow and we look to the lost and try to evangelize them, don't let pride or lofty speech well up inside. Cling to the pureness of the Gospel, the easy message not to take on because it lose, you lose everything. And let the Spirit of Christ go before you, work through you. But you can't do any of this unless you study the Word of God and test the things that you are hearing. You have to look at the person who is proclaiming, myself, and say, is he? Are the words coming out of his mouth from the Word of God? We are at war. What side are you on? We are called to enlist in this war to be ambassadors of the good news. We accomplish this through testing the spirits against the knowledge of truth. And as we march, we pray for the Spirit of Christ to empower us and overwhelm our lives so that everyone we encounter experiences the gospel. Are you listening to false prophets? Are you false prophets? Are you finding comfort and trusting in the greater spirits? Are you allowing the right people to speak truth into your life? Take this message serious. It is a serious warning. Test everything.